0: Tom Chivers, welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us. Hello. Yes. Thanks for having me.
1: I, I will say just to um, uh, just to avoid it's it's Chivers rhymes with rivers rather than Chivers rhymes rivers. with divers. We, I, it is it is a, it is a common common mistake. So um, I, I thought I'd leap in early and get that and get that one right. But yes. Hello. Thank you for having me.
0: So, uh, Tom, your body of work touches on a wide array of disciplines and covers an even wider spectrum of topics Uh, for our listeners out there who don't know who you are or who want to hear your backstory um, and not just read our introduction on our website. uh, How would you describe yourself? Like what is the mission statement uh, for your writing?
1: um, Well, I think I I get described as a science writer and that's probably the simplest way of doing it. um, way, Way of describing me in terms of like, um, traditional journalism roles science, science writer or science columnist or something like that but I think of myself as sort of a nerd correspondent you know like um, I am just interested in any nerdy topic uh, like so I'll write about science or I might write about uh, I might I might randomly get interested in economics that day I, I, I know you're both in the um, prediction markets and sort of forecasting game and I got uh, I, I've written a lot about that because I find that topic extremely interesting so it's sort of My mission statement is: I want to find out interesting, true things about the world and and explain them to people. You know, Um, uh, so yeah, nerd correspondent or or nerd translator or something like that. You know, I, I like to go and find find things. It also it's also part of it is trying to see when people are saying things in the media or in the news that I think are you know, and some narrative has been established, and they say, well, actually, it's a bit more complicated than that. You know, that's that that sort of is is generally my my um my way of looking at the world is you know can I can I can I find interesting things to explain to people can I sort of try and break down why um, some of the more sort of simplistic narratives in the media might be more complicated than that can I um you know try and explain science and these complicated topics to a uh, sort of a non-expert audience I guess that, does that does that make sense as a something like a
2: mission statement?
0: Definitely. It does. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and, you know, you just talked about how, you know, a goal of your writing is to um, sort of explain things to people. You spent some time at BuzzFeed and I feel like BuzzFeed does a lot of that same work, but I feel like the way that you go about it is a bit different, at least at Unheard and some of the other places where you write. Um, how has your writing sort of changed or how's the way that you've covered topics changed from your time at BuzzFeed, maybe more mainstream media to now, um, where I think you have a slightly different bent? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a good question. I mean, partly you you change.
1: I mean, your your readership changes, right? Um, in all, I mean, there's, there's, there's the self serving the self serving I am so brilliant um, way of describing it is your readership changes, and so you target you know you target your your work to that readership. You know, the people who would read the Telegraph were different from people who would read Buzz Buzzfeed, were people who different from people who read Unheard and the stuff I do now in my books and things, and so you tailor your explainer to the or your your work to the sort of person who'd be reading it um of course in reality a lot of it is you tailor your work to the to what your boss wants um but the uh there is um like if you're writing i, I don't know for for example if i when i was writing at the telegraph i spent i felt i spent what felt to me a lot of time uh, trying to say why the you know, it's quite a right wing out it's quite a right wing conservative uh outlet and my work tended to be, at least in my head, tended to be, look, these sort of common things that the readership will often believe might be, you know, uh, climate skepticism was a thing. I'd often spend a lot of time saying, you know, actually, it's a bit more complicated than that. There You know, you, you're simply, you're, 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 um, the sort of climate gate stuff that there were, that people were hawking at there. there I would try and explain, uh, sort of try and explain why they were wrong, I think is the probably simplest way of putting it. Um, and then, uh, Uh, other places I've been I've I've been read might be read more by people who are more left-wing so I'd find I'd be concentrating more on um sort of debunking more common left-wing narratives I feel I feel like that's that was part of it also part of it is you know um there'd be you'd be younger they would be older you'd be sort of judging whether they'd be more educated less educated that sort of stuff but and I mean BuzzFeed for instance they had there were very they, 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 they There's a particular way of writing for BuzzFeed, and which changed, and you know, it's all it's all an adaptation between how I want to write and how they want me to write and things. But the um, it would be very much, you know, like list like you know listicles. Everyone liked the the, the BuzzFeed thing. There, it's a, there's a way of doing them while also you know I, I was looking at a piece I. I did recently, which was like six or seven myths and facts about breastfeeding and they're trying to get in, you know, like they're uh, trying to do in a BuzzFeed format, uh, what we know about the impact of like breastfeeding on Iq and breastfeeding on, uh, obesity and all these things. And, you know, does it protect mothers from breast cancer? And, and, and I think there's, you know, and so you can do exactly the sort of thing I would like to do elsewhere, do my sort of actions, but more complicated than that, or it's, you know, is what, what we know and how we know it stuff while doing it inside this format of 13 dogs that look like Hitler, you know, um, the that, the sort of, set, you know, the, the, the buzzfeed listicle thing. So it was very much just, um, uh, you have things you want to say, you have a format of the place you are working and you, want, and you do your best to say it in the constraints and sort of uh, habits of that format. I, I don't know. Yeah. So I, what, when I was at BuzzFeed, I think a lot of the stuff I was saying was much the sort of stuff I would try to do here and still be speaking and going and speaking to scientists, going and speaking to experts and doing sort of reported work. But it would be formatted differently and sometimes targeted it differently because of the audience.
0: Do you think sort of operating within that, you know, BuzzFeed constraint, um, you know, helped you in some ways communicate these sort of and sort of countered these narratives, whereas if you were writing for a more traditional outlet that uh, you wouldn't have sort of like learned those skills because, you know, you were put into this framework of of uh, which you had to write in? sure so uh, yes short answer yes uh, long answer also yes but
1: um but with more words i guess uh, so yeah um the, lo- the long answer is yes it did because but it was the thing that really made me a better journalist at buzzfeed was that i was more of a reporter uh, though uh, for a, after a year or so they made me a science writer or science reporter and my job was literally involving uh breaking you know trying to do br- breaking news as you know not investigative journalism things and actually uh, snuffling out stories in a more traditional way as well as just what i've done both at before and since has been more around comment on analysis and so uh, you know other which you've not worked as journalists i don't think so uh, maybe the distinction isn't so clear but there are news reporters who go and find out stories and write that simple 800 words boris johnson said this today and then there's the comment and opinion guys who say what i think about boris johnson say you know boris johnson must resign or you know and and, and what this means for boris johnson's um uh you know co- uh, uh, political coalition within the tory party or whatever and so there's and the sort of the actual truffle hounds the real news guys are the ones who fight who are the engine of journalism do the actual work and then there's vultures like me who hang around doing these sort of um well now they've done the hard work i can say what i think about it you know and i'm, I'm being a bit unfair on myself there because i do like to do actual reporting and go and speaking to experts but that bit of finding out news and going and sniffing things out and then also just doing the, the really hard the hard work the sort of boot leather journalism stuff was really useful and is how and I learned that from um uh from journalism from buzzfeed much more and yes also um, because actually as well as the telegraph for a while years ago 2008 or something like that i worked at a london tabloid called the london paper which has long since died um and at buzzfeed as well these they, are two places which much more sort of emphasis on brevity and getting your point across quickly and saying the thing you needed saying um without uh, sort of wording around it for ages and i think that's really useful yeah because you can be a smart ass can't you and you sort of use long words when you don't need to i remember some uh one sub at um uh, the london paper just sort of was like why have you i can't write i used the word gravid instead of pregnant or something like that and so why why either people wouldn't understand it or they'll think you're a dick and um <laughs> and, and so they so I just like okay stop doing no stop doing that and there's realizing you never ever need to use a different word other than say to say someone has said something you never need to say a pine you never need to say you know um pontificated, uh, yeah exactly it's just, just definitely like not this,
0: pontificated
1: he, exactly he say say he said right say say he said it or maybe say he added and that and, and that is fine and you're done and it's and it's all right and so i, I feel like that it's I, I think that had that sort of thing just like try, trying to communicate so the reader finds it easier to understand rather than to make you look clever is a um, been really useful for me because i in particular do like to look clever and so i try you know so it's been a real sort of like try try not to follow that instinct of my own um and i think buzzfeed was very good for that and i i I think a lot of people who write in uh, there's a real tendency for clever people who do that who write for themselves to sort of think they need to sound like they are writerly and use long writerly words and i uh with the best will in the world guys i think american journalists are terrible for this there's a real distinct between distinction between British and American journalism, which I think British journalism thinks of itself as like a trade, and American journalism thinks of itself as a profession, and all. A lot of American journalists think they want, sort of, sort of secretly want to be novelists, you know, and British journalists want to bring down a government, and that is, uh, and and that is. So there's a sort of distinction between a, a, there's a real sort of tendency in American journalism, like, I somewhat snobbly to sort of do these seven drawings after- before they actually tell you. Uh, then 13 people were killed in a bus crash this morning and they, 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 that's the so, so I, I have that tendency in myself as well having it beaten out of me by both buzzfeed years ago by the by the london paper tabloid it's been no is my internet still
0: all right uh, um i'm still yeah right. you were lagging out but I, th- I i think we're good now yeah
1: okay um, good uh good i was reportedly just bored of me ranting on anyway sorry carry on yes yeah
2: no not at all um and actually mm. sort of pulling at a similar thread you know all this talk about um you know buzzfeed and and the writing you do now it sort of gets at this idea of um almost like a divide or um just the interesting relationship between mainstream media and some other outlets and how they cover stories you know looking at a lot of your stories at unheard you know you're taking these um these stories that maybe mainstream media sort of presented as somewhat one-sided and monochromatic, and providing a nuanced view on them, um, and sort of highlighting maybe a bit of a frustration with how mainstream media covers certain topics. Um, how would you categorize sort of this problem with mainstream media and how they um, maybe don't provide every side to a story, or um, potentially have a bit of an agenda when it comes to uh, coverage of, of certain issues? Sure. Well, I mean, this is
1: me speculating wildly and and having my own opinion. You know, like I, I, I don't claim to have the full story for why journalism is why journalism is but I think there are various problems with it and part of it is that journalists uh there's not very many of us we're quite a small you know there's a few things I if you talk about so that the, the, there's there's a sort of fairly certainly in the UK media and I think in US media there's sort of elite journalists are quite a small group we all know each other we all chat with each other we all follow each other on Twitter and you don't and there's a real tendency to so, you know when when like any other group of people there will be a tendency for ugh, groupthink is such a cursed phrase but you know that the, you, you don't tend to want to swim against against the current too much if if people say if if some story breaks and uh the a, it is immediately seen as following some you know fitting some narrative fitting some uh sort of shape immediately then and and a lot of journalists start saying that then it is very hard for other ones to sort of put their hand up and say I'm not sure it's as easy as that there's obviously the same sort of problem of tribalism as everywhere else is that if you start saying oh look this story, you know this story about oh god I'm trying to think of a not immediately devastating immediately super controversial example but you know so this story about I don't know what what's that The Co- cover Coving- covington uh, guys, oh you know, the the, the, the sleeves, yeah, yeah, amazing. I mean, no, you remember the guys, the, the the school, the the public school kids in the states who who um, had people who were, were they looked like they were shouting at some Native American, oh, Native American oh guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and then yeah, it turned the out protests, to be more complicated yeah. than that, you know. Yeah, and I like amazing my bit of my attempt to uh, come up with a less controversial example is this horrible, you know, that is the the potential racism thing, but anyway, so but. That if, if that, that story broke and there was a big decision that it was one told one story and then the, the more right-wing media said it no it tells it actually this other story and of course if you are of the left or of the liberal side you don't necessarily want to to admit that it's more complicated because that feels like you're giving something to the other side so everyone entrenches. um and and you know this just that that's definitely a mechanism that happens uh, i mean also i i don't I, I I want to defend journalism on the whole, because I think, and I say this in the book, that, you know, that I, journalism gets a bad uh, rep. And I think a lot of people think that it, it, we're all, you know, either, you know, out, just deliberately out to mislead people and things like that. And I think actually, no, a lot of journalists or most journalists are well-intentioned and trying to, you know, do good in the world. But there is a tension between um journalism as truth telling journalism as uh, finding things out and explaining it and journalism as sort of campaigning and journalism as trying to achieve things in the world and if you want to be you know if you want to say this is a complicated story with all these ins and outs and you know um nuances that might make it more complicated if you also want to say and this is a call to action why we all want to um you know rally to a flag you know um and if and there are lots of these stories are powerful, you know. If if you leave them relatively unexamined, are very powerful flags or story, you know, stories that can be used in. So, just incentive-wise, well, just sort of, to, to just sort of, you know, that, that if you are even if you are trying to do good in the world, but you think your way of doing good in the world is to rally people to a flag, then it might be that examining nuance and examining com- complexity is not super helpful. And then there's also the obvious financial or business world incentive that like, uh, I mean, fundamentally anger and controversy and a lack of. Catastrophe. Complexity. Yeah. Well, yeah. They, they sell things. They, they you know, you, if you are, I mean, the example I always think of was, and I can never remember, I think it might've been Christchurch, the, um, uh, the, uh, the New Zealand, New Zealand shooting, awful thing, mm-hmm. guy going and shooting loads of kids in a, school if I remember rightly uh just or just horrible but it was and it covered all the front pages in the UK right just every and I was and I was thinking on the one hand this is awful and the tragedy but on the other hand is is that you know our our front pages in our in this we are as far away as is possible to be from New Zealand while still remaining on land and yet because it is dramatic and shocking and horrifying it will it covers all our front pages it doesn't actually tell the people in the UK anything about their lives or you know it doesn't give you useful information for judging our own risk of being caught up in a school shooting because you know it is just it, it is big news because it is shocking and so that and the, you know that is sort of the and so that and newspapers and and, and uh, the media in general want dramatic things that will get eyeballs on it we'll get um newspaper sales up we'll get clicks on the website that sort of thing and that is that isn't to belittle the the horror of that story but you know in in actual risk terms it is of negligible importance to uk readers and viewers and but so 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 the point is that we are we the media is not there to tell you things that help you navigate the world media is only partly there you know it is all it is mainly there to, 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 to it's a business like any other and it will sell you know it's 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 currency is attention eyes on websites you know clicks on websites eyes on channels uh, um uh, newspapers sold and all that sort of stuff and that only aligns partially well with the incentive to tell truth about the world and help people navigate it and so when you have these more complex topics like all these sort of controversial topics you know, uh, or um, where, where, there are some, where there's a possibility, possibility, possibility of selling a simple narrative or a this is very complicated and you need to read this 2000 word article to understand it all. Understandably, often the thing that sells better is the here to uh, take the outrage version and go, and you can be on your way after reading the headline rather than then having to dig into the more complicated thing. So that's, oh yeah, and the other thing, of course, is it's cheaper to do if you know it, it is quicker and easier for me to write out say 800 words on why i'm outraged than it is for me to spend a day or two investigating the thing phoning up experts phoning up people who are there and spending ages on it because i, I can do five i can do five of the first one in a day and i could t- take me a couple of days to do the second one and you know if i'm being paid by the word which is oversimplifying things but it's kind of what happens then the other the first the first one for me and my employers is quicker and simpler and easier. So I think those are a lot of the mechanisms why it goes wrong.
0: So a lot of those issues that you mentioned, you know, groupthink, um, I think another one is treating everything as if it's the most important thing about the future. This happens. Mm. Oh, this fundamentally changes everything about the future. Um, Campaigning, not dealing with, with nuance, not contextualizing things. A lot of that could sort of, be solved if um, forecasting and prediction markets were more present within media. You know, Andrew and I have talked about that they could almost act as a check or even an alternative to mainstream media. Right? If you're doing a good mm-hmm. forecast, you're considering a base rate, which is your context. Right? How often do shootings happen? If we're, uh, you know, taking that example. Um, if you're trying to be a good forecaster, you know, if you only look at one point of view, you're probably going to do pretty poorly. You have to consider. All the alternative uh, hypotheses, all the alternative perspectives, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, the one thing it doesn't really solve is the effort. To outcome in terms of what it does, because making a good forecast, um, as you know, I, I assume you made. It's hard work. You've been making I've forecasts. Made. Yes, it, it is. <laughs> yeah. It is hard work, and it can be even harder to then take how you did that forecast and condense it down into something that's not two thousand words long or or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but you've sort of started to experiment with using um, predictions from super forecasters, whether that's with fortnightly forecasts. Um, Metaculous questions or writing some of your own questions, um, and so I'm curious, like, where do you see the forecasting space evolving um, into the into the news and into the larger media environment? Um, and you know, where do you see that? And then, where would you like to see it be? Funny, enough, I'm glad we're talking about this because I've been asked to do
1: a thing for the Association of British Science Writers uh, about the future of science journalism And i've been thinking actually this the the talking about the use of formal forecasting in journalism is be a good thing to talk about um so thank you for giving me a chance to sort of try and put together some coherent thoughts before i start writing okay so i think first i'll try and talk about a little I, I did an ama on the effective altruism site a while ago and people were, you know like wh- when will people start doing um uh like a f- formal forecast you know 60 percent likelihood on the end of it, every comment piece and i think that will never happen i think that'll never happen for a variety of reasons one of which is that i mean even you know, charitable reason which is that it's not really what a lot of comment pieces are there for i, I remember I, I wrote a piece saying oh god but was you know like, um a, a way of um you know about, about uh big pharma profiting off the um pandemic and people saying you know this, this is dreadful to me saying well I actually kind of want big pharma too and but here are ways of of you know it, it is a problem that it, these drugs don't get to the um to the developing world so quickly but there are ways around that we can use advanced market commitments that sort of thing and i mean i could have tagged on the end of that a forecast saying i think it is 55 percent likely that uh that COVAX, or someone will use an advanced market uh, um commitment to purchase uh, vaccines for for developing world, but it wasn't really what I was. What the piece was about the piece was sort of analysing the issues and saying, the um, uh this is you know, and the, these are possible ways around it. I mean, you can turn it into, I guess, into some conditional probability. If we do a a um an advanced market commitment, I predict that there is an eighty percent likely chance, whatever, yeah, eighty percent likelihood that we will that we will um that then um, the 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 uh, the number of uh, people getting vaccines in Botswana will be greater than you know 15% or whatever i don't know you know i'm i'm, I'm trying to sort of ad lib it as i go along but the point is it would have been it would have been a, an addition to it would have been a sort of thing just stuck on top like a cherry rather than the sort of the the the, the cake itself um also the fact that i was you know that like when i do do them Often, like I've been spent. I spent a day writing a piece, two days writing a piece, and I've interviewed all these experts. I'm trying to sort of analyze the thing, and then I'll be doing a a a proposal on a a forecast on top of it. But as you guys, I'm sure know, or certainly as other super forecasters have told me, one of the best predictors of well, whether a forecast is any good or not is how much time you spend on it. And I will not be spending, you know, I'm not being paid to spend a great deal of time on it for the um uh for that um for, for that reason as you know I, I'm I'm I so, so I'll be I'll be doing it as a oh god I've got to be quick you know and so so i you mean, know, god god knows you probably I don't know if you've seen any of my forecasts I don't want to know what my uh, briar score is it is almost certainly rubbish but it, you know I I keep needing to go back and do it all but I just I'm kind of scared of what the result will be and I, it's just and, and that is partly because I don't spend as much time as, as I do on the actual thing another reason is that again, it's not, the, the journalism has these other functions. So like, it wouldn't be, if I, if, if I was doing news reporting and finding out, you know, Boris Johnson and his parties are in the news today, you know, he's, um, it turns out there were there were parties going on in number 10 Downing Street while everyone else was in massive lockdown and it was completely legal. Um, again, there are things, there are forecasts that can be made around that, but the actual work of finding you know finding the sources doing digging digging into the um into the you know uh, into the system and like f- f- just just literally finding this stuff out that's not prediction stuff um and also there's the entertainment side of journalism which is pays for all the important stuff you know that people people uh, get sniffy about the stuff time we spend covering the kardashians or or doing sports but it it literally pays for the foreign news that people think we should do more of so uh, you know the, the, that 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 stuff is, it'll never be the core function of journalism doing these doing these forecasts and before i add to it that there's also um it's uh, it no one wants to look bad you know no one wants to look like an idiot for do, for getting all these forecasts wrong that said so those are the reasons why it'll never be the central thing it'll never be in every single piece that said i do think a subset of journalists really do want to virtuously sort of uh, Try and understand the, the the meaning that they of the things they're talking about to make for you know, and they recognize. I I certainly recognize the value in of making these forecasts to sort of tie yourself to try and work out what the to tie, what's that Eliezer Yukowski phrase of like make your beliefs pay rent. You know, like if you, if you believe that something is important, then it should have an associated prediction. You know, I predict that if I if I think this thing, if I think that advanced market commitments are important and good. Then it should cash out into some sort of prediction that I can make about the world. That would be that one might have been quite a complicated one. But if I believe, I don't know, that um, COVID is, um, because, you know, that COVID is less dangerous now, then maybe that should cash out to I predict that we, there will be fewer deaths this year than there were last year. That sort of thing. And I think it is good and virtuous and um, and sort of uh, a good exercise for the mind to. Um, to help you sort of to force you to to actually think about what your beliefs mean and to tie you to you know if i just say well this year will be difficult for boris johnson what does that mean if i mean i think there's about a 60 percent chance he's going to have to leave office this year that ties me to something much more rigorous and then you can you can sort of look at your own it forces you to then look at your own work and if you get it wrong all the time then it forces you to think about why that is i do think though there's a there's a danger Right. That I end up saying, we all end up doing this. We all end up saying, you know, every journal, loads of journalists do it. And then we rank journalists by how well they did. And I partly out of self-interest, because I don't know they don't think I do particularly well at it, but you know, that I don't like I say, it's not the core function of journalism. I think it is a a useful thing that could that and I think it would be better for journalists so they do it more. And I think we can you can learn a lot about yourself and learn a lot about your abilities and about the world by doing it. But i don't want to end up in a situation where you or, or if your briar score is above 0.8 or something i'm sort of how the, what the numbers are in briar scores you know then you are a rubbish journalist and you should be drummed out of the out of the, the trade so because i think because i think that would be unhelpful it should be a thing that people are rewarded for doing at all rather than you know punished for doing badly again though declare your interest i Dude, I'd make these predictions and I don't and I, I'm afraid of looking like an idiot uh, as it is so maybe I'm just trying to cover my own back a bit here.
0: So, Sorry you know, did I, I like, ask your
1: question? I, yeah Yeah. yeah
0: but sure. um you know just like a follow-up on that you know first of all mm. the, the the best way to get good at forecasting is just practice you know there's sure. no one is born a super forecaster it's something that uh they have to work for and so I, I think there's one thing which is should journalists be making forecasts um and for that I definitely see your points although i i do think if you're writing a piece about what's happening between russia and ukraine and and you're trying to make a case about why this is really important and that an invasion is likely if if you just if if, if you're not supporting that with some sort of context for how likely it is like mm-hmm. not only like how should i you know how how urgent is this for me listening like how important of an issue is this and then also like if you just go around like saying war is likely all the time like that probably has a negative downstream effect in terms of how people are interfacing with the information that they're reading from a publication um and so i think that's on like the journalist side but you know instead of you tom making your own forecasts you could if you're just covering russia ukraine and u.s intelligence analysts say that it's likely that russia is getting ready to invade that can be supplemented with well the you know, the super forecasters from Good Judgment Inc., you know, put mm. it at fifteen percent. And that's an important context piece that um should be, you know, put into it because, you know, I, I think a lot of, you know, if if you read something is likely, but they're not really saying what it is, mm. that gives the outlet a lot of, you know, yeah, leeway 10% to say, oh, actually sixty percent likely, yeah. Yeah. Or ninety percent likely, yeah. But for like the reader, you know, they don't they just probably contextualize that they just keep getting it wrong whereas if there was a track record or using other people that have good track records in their own reporting that um it might give a little bit more nuance to what to what's happening instead of you know just every single time that there seems to be a flare-up you know Mm. uh the world is ending always right yeah no Um, no yeah yeah
1: no i i agree with that and actually your point about just having it as a default well, so I suppose the, the sort of example you're thinking of, the political questions, especially foreign policy, foreign um and foreign relations, when, you know, well, I mean, let's face it, will Russia invade someone or will Afghanistan fall these sort of, you know, um, will Taiwan, you know, will there be a combat between Taiwan and China? Um these sort of questions, they they lend themselves really well that sort of to, to to forecasting and i do actually i slightly row back I, I suppose i was thinking of my own form of journalism where, where I, if i went you know I, I would be rare it'd be rare that i went made any sort of concrete opinions about what was going to happen in taiwan because i haven't got a clue but um the uh you know if, if i was if i was a foreign policy pundit and i went around saying that um i think yeah you know, it, it war with china is likely and i said that every year then i would feel that is a bit empty if I haven't tied myself to some sort of falsifiable prediction. So yes, I, I agree with you, but also that I really like that idea, and I will steal it for this thing I'm writing. um That it should be much more regularly, like you know, just in the same way you would phone up um a uh, you know, I, would, I would phone up a scientist and ask for information and tell them to talk me through when I'm writing something about vaccines, just checking metaculous or checking Good Judgment Inc. and uh, and seeing what uh, the um, uh the sort of state of forecasters on that would would be a really useful sense check on um on the sort of analytical and comment pieces that uh that i write and that and that people do write so yes i think i think that'll be extremely useful and hopefully will become more normalized i i don't i i, I don't i feel like i'm one of the few journalists who still does that, who, who, who does that sort of thing, you know, who, who, who is aware of this subset of the world yet. But I, I think we are, the, those few of us who are, are making it more widespread, I hope. And and so, so hopefully it'll be, you know, become more standard in more, um, yeah, in more mainstream uh, outlets than the ones I, than, than, than me, you know, and people like me.
2: Yeah, and, and, and just like one, also... oh.
0: sorry, go ahead. Yeah, just like one more thing I was going to throw in is also like, if you're talking to experts about like where the pandemic is going, you know, mm-hmm. while you're while they're, you know, they might say, Oh, like, it looks like we're gonna see like a big death, you know, spike coming soon. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like Asking them, well, clearly your prediction, even if it's not quantified, is different from what they're saying. You know, what's Mm. what's what's missing? Because then not only are giving context to readers, then you can then share that article with forecasters and then they can then maybe, you know, they read that piece. That doctor realized that they're missing something. And then does the market shift? You know, maybe actually there was a piece of information missing. And so then we have, you know, then news can also help us better understand the future too
2: yeah Um, yeah sorry carry on i was gonna say andrew yeah just i would add also i think the most important part goes even beyond journalism right because journalism has become democratized and everybody's a journalist now and so Mm. everybody has to be confronted with opinions and viewpoints that maybe they Mm. didn't have to before um and so now with this new inundation of information of news of takes where everybody's a pundit the average person needs a way to sort of understand and sift through all this information and figure out how to understand all these different perspectives. And I think forecasting prediction markets provide a way for the average consumer of information of news um, from all these places, from mainstream media, to Twitter, to whatever, um, to sort of contextualize and um, and sort of compartmentalize what they're hearing, what they're understanding, because there's so much out there right now, it's hard to sort of take it all in. Um, so I think, yeah, this is all really interesting. Um, but I think a big part to this adoption you know, is the ability of people to understand and process these forecasts this information um, and that comes down to numeracy and being sort of literate with numbers and not be uh, being facile and able to understand sort of very basic statistics. Um, yeah. How much work, do you think that we need to sort of get to a place where people, the average person is at a you know solid base level. Um, of of a numeracy. Um, I know you've talked about before how, you know, when it comes to democracies, literacy is a very important component to sort of read the news, write the news, hold the government accountable. Um, and in this age of COVID, we've seen a lot of numbers fl- flying around, a lot of like statistics, R values, um, you know, things that people might not have been familiar with prior. How much work do you think we need to get to a place where people are able to reasonably- take A lot of work. Yeah. A lot of work. I mean, <sighs> When you're talking
1: about the average consumer, and I don't want to be too elitist about this, but I do I do remember in, I mean, first and foremost, I completely agree with you. I think I, I think I say this in the book at some point, you know, the reason that literally that, uh, or a reason that the British state at least started to campaign for, um, <laughs> for greater literacy. The book, yes, the book was uh, How to Read Numbers, written by me and my cousin, David. Um, and out uh, about about a year ago now i think paperbacks coming out soon and they, um uh what we you know one of the reasons that um that the british government in the 1900s started uh, the campaign of um universal education was because it was moving to a more democratic state and people the ordinary people were going to be involved in decisions of government decisions of state right and the um and uh in uh, there was, uh, I can't remember the quote but you know so there were, there were, there were people who people say well we're going they, if they're going to making making decisions that affect our lives they're going to need to be able to read newspapers to find out what is actually going on they can't they can't vote to, you know they, they, they can't if they, if they don't know what's happening with the with what the government's doing then they can't make informed decisions and I think it is it probably was true then but it's certainly true now that it is also true of numeracy if you, you know what you you will read that the government has spent you know, uh, five million pounds on whatever. And is that a lot? Is that a big number? You know, that, or you'll say that, you know, 160,000 people died of whatever in the past, how, how many years? And is that a lot? Is that a big number? How do I find out, right? And most of the time, it's really not that complicated in sort of r- real terms. It is usually what divide one number by another. What number do I need to think of to divide this number by to, give, to put it into context? But I think a lot of people feel very intimidated by numbers uh, a lot of people feel um almost they don't have permission to do it i think that's i think that is i remember listening to um i think it was a jr kotra who uh, i don't know if any of you know but she's works on ai with open philanthropy so quite aligned with uh, the super forecaster sort of world anyway and she said like she'd got an advanced degree in mathematics um and and but and most of her job involved sort of this sort of simple divide one number by another to get the you know get base rates and all this sort of stuff but it was just she felt that having this advanced degree gave her felt like she was allowed you know it was just felt like she could it it was not intimidated by the idea of doing this and i feel i sort of feel the same i'm not by any means a math genius but because i have been doing it for a while i feel like i am i have the sort of Permission to the sort of um, the confidence to just go and divide this one thing by another, or multiply this one thing one by another, and find out some sort of what is the, what is the is that a big number we're talking about, and so on. And I think a lot of people don't have that. I remember not long after the book came out, I did a podcast with some people from the Royal Statistical Society, and and I, one of the people who was on with me and um, works on uh, national numeracy, and he said, "Oh God, I can't remember the exact figure, but it was the median Britain." Is uh, well as is, uh, is math has math to roughly a 12 year, 12 year old schooling level or something like that, you know, that as in the level you would expect for a for so, so it's just so new sub uh, bougie exams we take at CA. But I think there's the, the median person in the U is not very math literate, is very sort of scared of doing maths, and I think I, I would be startled to. Find that weren't the case in the US as well. Um, so I think there's an awful lot of work to do. I don't know how doable it is, or whether we just need to think, you know, that there will be. Um, by the way, is my internet going terrible? Yeah, uh, it 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 got fixed. Okay, okay, cool. Okay, cool. Um, hopefully it's recording. Anyway, so yeah, um, yeah, I, I don't know how fixable it is. You know, you can obviously there are improvements you can make in there are we are more literate and numerate than we were 100 years ago I don't know what the ceiling is for that and how how much higher people can get I think it would be good if we did but then also this is the bit in the conversation where I say and therefore we should teach statistics in schools because that is what everyone always says you know we should teach this thing that I like in schools more but then no one ever says and we should teach less of this other thing to make up for it in the curriculum you know and I, I probably would huffily say something you know maybe we don't need to do quite so much personal and social you know religious education or whatever comparative religion whatever but i don't know that is um you know that's for someone that's for someone else to do else to talk about i think certainly i think it would it uh, there is a lot of work to be done about in basic basic numeracy in uh, western society and i think it would probably be really useful if people were more capable of just this sort of thing, like looking for base rates, looking for uh, asking simple questions, like, is this a big number? You know, one, uh, and that sort of question, but I I don't know how we get there from here.
0: You know, I, I, I've thought about this, you know, People don't have good numeracy, but they do a lot of things that deal with numeracy. You know, sports betting is a very big thing in the UK as well as the US um, yeah. and understanding odds and and sort of how those work requires an understanding of numbers. Uh, fantasy sports, at least in the United States, are an extremely popular thing. Um, and to the people that do it, I'm told that you need to know how to do numbers in order to do well. I don't do fantasy sports, but that's what I hear. I do. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, when you think about making predictions on prediction platforms, I think you really have to understand numbers, I think on also like a really complex level, like, just like going from a 50 to a 55% is very different from uh, 55 to 60. Uh, The difference between, um, you know, 68 and 70 is way smaller than 99.1 and Uh, 99.2. And so like, do you, do you think you know people just making predictions about the future might help them become numerically literate because there is some sort of you know gamified aspect of it, um, and it it really does sort of cross like a, a a broad spectrum of how to understand numbers because they don't work in terms of how they they seem. It's not like a one to a hundred scale. It's 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 very sort of nuanced um, mm. when it comes to that. Yeah. So so. Uh, my big pessimistic rant a minute ago i will say pandemic
1: made me realize or made me think and i've never I have no numbers to back this up ironically enough um but i i do think there is a um the the pe- when people had to understand statistical concepts they did you know like the, so, uh, certainly i saw a lot of political journalists suddenly pick up what an r value was in in remarkable speed and i think most of the british population and i again i, I don't know but i would imagine the american uh, population as well got the hang of these things uh, exponential growth our values you know um in, in infection fatality rates whatever and they i'm not suggesting they became experts in it but they were conversant enough to be able to understand it uh, and like you say in um you know in, in, when when they're when they need to understand something for when people need to understand something for something they enjoy or for for work then they become pretty numerate often i don't i don't know how true it is you know because let's face it a lot of people do sports betting and lose a lot of money so i'm not sure how you know i'm not sure if the you can follow follow that um example all the way but for me but the uh, but i do think I think it is true that you can uh, that you know, just anything where you you're incentivized through financial fi- financial or other means to uh, to to understand it. People will often get lots better at it. I think, um, and, and yes, if people were making prediction market bets on th- uh, forecasts, then they would rapidly get better at it, um in a way that I have yet to, but I imagine will one day. And uh, and I um, uh, and the more and the more you the more people do this, the more they will, the more it will become. Normal. The question is how quickly it expands, and uh, you know, I like I've said, I think it would be great if it does, but I, I would be a little surprised if you know the median britain ever ends up being, uh, um, well, you know, making thirty metaculous forecasts a week. But you know, I suppose you can dream,
2: can't you? You know, here's hoping. Um, so given your job as a writer, you know, yeah. and we've already talked about some of the issues with mainstream media earlier today. Um, you know one would you say that your information diet sort of the news that you consume personally is different than maybe an average uh, consumer just giving you a profession and then also just generally curious you know do you think about it in terms of um, you know certain outlets or certain platforms mediums um, how do you think about the information that you consume and are you sort of very uh, sort of diligent about it like do you think about it actively when, when you're consuming I think about it in a sense that I know I should be
1: more diligent than I am. I am. Um, I. I'm. I'm. So one. One thing I will say is that I read almost no news, and I, 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 which is weird for a journalist to say. Um. I. I. I just. I. I have this. I will sometimes. I'll sort of just think. Oh God! I better go and check the front page of the BBC or front page of the Times website. But I. I. As I was saying earlier, I. I don't think that news judgment news values or um the things the, the sort of thing that reaches the front page of the newspaper correlates very well with the sort of thing that is important to know about i think um which sounds dreadful but uh because i've dedicated my career to doing it but i do think there is sort of you know the shootings example is the one i come come back to but i think it's not it's not uh, not unrepresentative a lot of it is works in this sort of in sort of lieu of um entertainment or sort of shock you know shock horror stuff and i don't think you actually need to whereas you know and to some degree political news political rumors and all these things i I, it can be more important but a lot of it is just politician says thing you expect politician to say and I, i i don't so i mean my actual data i i a lot of my um Sort of actually trying to understand it. It, it, it. The stuff I do read, the new stuff, is tends to be filtered through Twitter, which is I don't know, extremely unhealthy, probably unhealthy way of doing it, but it does mean that it's filtered through people, other people's judgment, you know, and then other and DM groups and and um, private uh, chats and things where people where where it's, uh, hopefully it's filtered through other people's attention, and that and then I get the the stuff that I sort of need to read about, um, but that's slightly outsourcing my judgment to other people, but a, a lot of it is. I read nerdy blog posts and things on rationalist or EA or superforecaster sites. I, um, you know, these are the um, and I read books, and I, I, I feel like the a lot of the time, the that it, it's not super helpful to have the most recently recently up uh, written thing. It's uh, you know you can learn more about the world in, in slower forms, and um, it is yeah i think this this is this is a a long-winded way of saying my my uh, my in um my information diet is incredibly chaotic and uh and is uh, depends on what people around me are talking about that day and uh will um often be uh completely arbitrary or just happens to be some blog post written by some uh a, a pseudonymous rationalist 6 years ago but i i happen to find interesting you know so um it is uh, uh not it is not rigorous, um and perhaps it should be, but it seems to work, so i uh, don't i don't feel an immediate urge to change it
0: uh, tom the last last question is uh do you would you consider forecasts to be part of your information diet yes yeah yeah yeah
1: i do i um i i do spend some time on metaculus i but well i think actually it's more usually in a more roundabout way though which is that i personally know a number of super forecasters and have a tendency to sort of just message them and say so what should i think of you know what's what's this situation how should I, how should i ask how how should i go about asking this question how what is what is a um you know what what are the things I, that i might and and they even if they're not experts in that specific topic i mean the whole point is you know even if they're not experts in that specific topic they will have think you know what is what is the way of breaking this question down what is the, the what are the sort of things you should be talking about and I do like also um just keeping yeah just yeah, using them as sort of when I do write like you know, I did I don't know if you saw six months or a year ago I did uh doing pieces about um uh was it Afghanistan or was it I think it was Taiwan anyway, anyway so just sort of like saying what you know of using forecasts as a sort of um a structure a skeleton for me to write the piece around and sort of the these are the forecasts I made these are what 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 would would be so so yes I do consider um I mean Metaculous is the one I know best but I've also uh, I'm a member I'm a I've got a login at Good Judgment Project I do keep an eye on it I do try and um make use of it as when it, as when I can but again because of the sheer chaos of my information diet at uh, some there'll be there'll be days I do it several days in a row. And then other days when I forget about it, the times when I forget about it for a week and don't check. So it's um, uh, my um, my junk food uh, information diet might, does mean that it's not it's not as regulated or as um, rigorous a way of using it as it probably ought to
0: be if I was being better about it. Well, awesome. Tom, sure. uh, before we uh, sign off on the podcast, uh, where can everyone find you? And uh any exciting new projects coming up or uh, articles? Yeah, so at the moment, uh I well at the moment I I probably the easiest
1: way to find me is Twitter at Tom Chivers. Um I have also got a uh but most most of my work is at unheard. Um so unheard.com and then slash author slash Tom Chivers. But if you just Google Tom Chivers Unheard, I crop up there. Um and any other projects? Well, I I, I guess I could announce that I'm just about to sign a book contract yeah so I don't, I, yeah I put some personal news here guys I'm about to sign a book contract to write a book about Bayes theorem and um uh its use in things like super forecasting but also its relevance to the human brain and is it you know Bayesian versus frequentist statistics and um all these other things and just sort of this one yeah, how this one weird trick explains everything you know um so that that'll be a project over the next year or so and which uh yeah, I think, I guess this will be my formal announcement
2: of it. So, you know, breaking news, you know, you heard it here first. Congratulations. That's exciting. We can't Thank wait to, uh, to read it as as forecasters and the students of uh, base there. So yeah. excited for that. Awesome. All right, guys. Well,
1: that was a lot of fun. Um, I better go down and cook the kids dinner now or something. Anyway, so I'll uh, lo- lovely talking to you both and another time, I hope.
2: Perfect. Awesome. Thank, Thank you so, so much.
1: My pleasure. Bye bye, guys. Bye.